bottom of the smash mountain i would like to thank my patron supporters over at patreon.com slash bsm pod for continuing to support me and what i'm doing this is the season three finale of the podcast we will be going into season four in the semi near future we're live on twitch right now cypher 0033 i know this not it's my fault but the point is is that i don't know when this is going to actually come out it'll be a week or two as compared to my usual i just recorded a podcast get it out as soon as possible but it's a very special episode nonetheless because we have someone who has put an amazing stamp onto the canvas of melee uh, contributions to the canvas of melee we have samox who created the two biggest pieces of documentary documentary media for super smash brothers melee you have the smash brothers documentary that set the internet world on fire then you have the metagame documentary which you can which you can see it also created this really large impact on the melee scene and the smash scene in general and one esports documentary of the year or content piece of the year. wait it's documentary of the year isn't it no it's content piece of the year content yeah. piece of the year okay i didn't yeah. want to screw that up i did but that's okay because <laughs> the esports award no joke it's super super cool netflix Dude. where you at i'm super excited to have you on sandbox thank you so much for joining me oh it's a pleasure to be here man i really appreciate it and um you know, like you said, Netflix, where you at? We did beat a Netflix uh, series for that award, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> it's, it was, I'm watching it through it, I've watched through it a couple times, metagame specifically, and it's because I, I bought it on Vimeo. That's where, for those who are interested, you know, you go to eastpointpictures.com and that sort of thing, you'll see all the links that you need to, or if you go to Samox's Twitter, all that fun stuff. Smash Brothers is on YouTube. You can check that out, and you'll want to watch Metagame, so you can rent it or buy it on Vimeo. I'm a proud owner of Metagame. Watching that is feels like an amazing an amazing evolution of what you originally put out with the Smash Brothers because there's there is a certain amount of, I don't want to say clawing and grinding it out but it did it does have that feel a little bit smash brothers does where you can tell that there is a lot of conscious i'm just gonna get this done i'm gonna get this out there it's beautiful i like it kind of a kind of an attitude behind it and i loved the smash brothers i've watched that more times than i care to admit so i just won't uh 20 plus times and so metagame, metagame feels like a great felt like a great follow-up feels like a great follow-up so for for what it is now being that it'll be almost two years since it premiered in december of 2020 it's not december of 2022 just yet but that was a year and a half ago now where do you feel where do you feel like where do you feel like the legacy of it lies now that it's actually been out and in the public for a while it's spent so much time behind the scenes and under wraps but now that's been out there for a while what does that feel like for you samox um, I mean, I'm. Um, I think it's the the legacy is that it's controversial, uh, at least in in this, insofar as what you'll find if you look up metagame reviews, you'll find like you know controversy and stuff, which you know I'm kind of ambivalent about. I was very um, uh, struck by the amount of um, discourse that it sparked, but I guess I really shouldn't have been surprised. I think that um, between the time that the Smash Brothers came out. 
and the time the metagame came out, there's been a lot of kind of an influx of people on social media, things like, you know, Twitter. Um, and so there's just, there's way more opportunity, especially in a seven hour documentary series for something to spark drama and something to be controversial. Um, so I think that that was sort of um, a different thing that I experienced with metagame. Um, but, you know, I really think that it's actually, like you said, it's much more polished. It's much more cohesive, I think, in a lot of ways. I don't like it's like having, you know, your two kids, like you don't necessarily love one more than the other. I think <laughs> the Smash Brothers was particularly, you know, born of a passionate, like you said, I'm going to get this. I'm going to make this. I'm going to get it done. You can tell I used like multiple different kinds of fonts and stuff and didn't care about like unifying that under one stylistic kind of thing. Whereas I was much more conscious of it in metagame, I really tried to have a much more cohesive kind of narrative, uh, an arc, uh, arcs where they they could be. Um, and I think to that point, I succeeded much more in metagame. Uh, it feels more cohesive. It feels kind of um, like put together. Um, but you know, like I said, it's 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 different things. It's not love one more than the other. It's it's different aspects of it. Um, so you know, I, it's it's. It's got that artistic sort of um, one-upsmanship, or I guess the 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 um, this thing, whatever it is. It's got a trophy. You can't see it behind my. Sorry, over there. <laughs> um, which Smash Brothers doesn't. The Smash Brothers doesn't. But um, so I feel like it it did get more kind of recognition for what it was in that sense. Um, but I don't know. It's it's hard to really kind of put it in in my own perspective what its legacy is. I'm curious about it and I asked about it because I thought you can ask the average Melee fan or Twitter user and they would have plenty to say about Medicaid. There'd be parts of it that they liked and there'd be parts of it that they didn't like. And I think a lot of them, if you ask them more questions about, well, what about Smash Brothers? They would say, okay, well, maybe I didn't like certain parts of that documentary either. And you start to realize, oh, there's a, there's a really heavy nostalgia thing. And so it's hard to for someone who can get passionate about, about Melee or all the Melee fans out there, I mean, I would be one of them. Uh, I, I watched the premiere back in December 2020. I saw the Twitter discourse and I thought there, there are probably good reasons for this, but I feel like a lot of this is, a, is, a, is pretty heavy handed, but I don't know. At the time, I was just someone who was following along and super excited. I didn't like have a podcast or anything. So I guess that was like sort of a a small inspiration not not that it was the main driving factor there were people in the melee scene who i started to talk to and they said hey we're really glad that you're even if you're not necessarily able to play or anything like anybody who's following along this game is pretty cool so thank you for being along for the ride and that sort of inspired me to do the podcast stuff but hell yeah but but what you, what the all the discourse ended up being around the premiere of metagame i i thought i want to do just my own little small part and try to put out uh, good into the world may be too strong of a sentiment, but I think it's more along the lines of I like the idea of 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 just being a, a, a positive voice as compared to a, a negative voice. So there's there that's basically just it. So yeah, well, I, I think that you do a good job of that. Uh, and uh, to be fair, I feel like I think you hit on a really important point there. You said that like you know. Looking back, there is nostalgia glasses. I think that in the moment of when the Smash Brothers came out, there was um, just so much positivity about it. It's like this is an amazing documentary. This is—he's a genius. You know, this is the greatest thing ever. 
And, um, you know, I won't poo-poo all of that. I'll definitely say, you know, I'll, I'll take a few of those. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that that sort of drowned out any criticism uh, at the time. So in the same way that there, the controversy sort of drowned out, like, and especially in the Twitch chat, if you were there, like, you know, there, I think there were at, at one time there was like 80,000 people concurrently watching on Ludwig's stream and on the metagame Twitch channel. Yep. Uh, and like that cacophony of like reacting to every little thing that like chat hated this or they hate that or yeah, but then there were moments, you know, when they would like you know, go nuts and shit. But I think that a lot of that negativity drowned out the positivity the second time around, which it's, it's interesting that that happened. And so I thought there's there's no way that Samox says, oh, I'll do stuff within the, the Smash community again. You had spoken in, in a couple of interviews, not about saying, oh, I'm going to immediately jump into the next project and it's going to be outside of Smash. I think the way that you phrased it were was, there are things outside of Smash that obviously capture my attention and adoration. And there are other gaming communities that I think if if a documentary or something to that effect, a content piece, if you will, <laughs> is made around them, I could see myself wanting to get into that. Uh, and so between that and the initial reception, I thought, well, how do you come back from that? But I think that there has been a comeback. First of all, you're here on this podcast, which is very nice, very appreciative of that. And you also, the bigger thing, uh, you, you started to see, I think, a little bit of just like a okay let's calm down kind of the thing the second premiere i feel like went went a lot better and the the esports awards all that stuff i'm sure yeah. getting to do a little bit of a red carpet thing winning an award that had a lot of people a lot of call of duty people mad on twitter for some reason i don't know <laughs> it, i didn't watch the competition i could the just say was robbed. yeah yeah but i could <laughs> say like hey metagame is a pretty good documentary i'd love to see yeah something try to beat that and it didn't so ha but you got to see you got to see a little bit of a of a turnaround at least or would you do you describe it differently no i would say so i mean it was um i think in large part because i think people saw that i put in a good effort to like try to respond to some of the things that people brought up um and some things were you know i think legitimate criticisms um that uh, I was trying to remedy with doing the God's Respond section, which I thought was was a good idea, and it turned out pretty pretty fun. And uh, having to, getting to talk to all of them after the premiere, um, you know, Mute King laughing everybody, and then I getting the chance to like you know throw the the um, narrative on its head, where the first thing was like everybody was like, oh, it's so hard on Leffen, and then the second time around, I did this bonus episode that came from that uh, Leffen interview that was just flipping it on its head and we're going to make the gods the bad guys and make him the anti-hero and sort of just kind of having, having fun with it um which is again is that that's the whole point it's just fun and uh, to get so wrapped up in the, the seriousness of it um i will say that i think some of the reason that uh, people were more sympathetic to me the second, second time around was because hacks had decided to do his thing and you know release this uh, massive thing that essentially, you know, called me Goebbels to Leffen's Hitler or whatever. Um, I think that engendered a sort of, okay, okay, let's let's kind of put things in perspective to people that maybe hadn't had that cross their mind at that point. Um, so I think that that kind of helped sort of change the narratives on things. And what I'm curious about, I this is a sharp turn, but how long have you been using those headphones? Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, I'm, I'm going to say these are fraud headphones. These are definitely uh, made to look like they are old school. 
Um, <laughs> and as if, uh, what's his fuck? Um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, this is, uh, Peter Quill. Some star, yeah, star Lord. Peter Quill, you know, some, some of these, uh, fake headphones. So they're, they're like a week old. <laughs> I feel like I've seen the same ones in all of your interviews, although I'll be honest, I was watching the documentaries in preparation for this, not the Five Gods Respond or yeah. and I've seen I've seen the, the, the wife interview a couple of times and this leads me to my next question, which is that interview, I don't wanna say is it's very, very special, obviously. It led to the Smash Brothers having a voice behind it that it it did it did add so much to the smash brothers documentary having wife just in in the span of an hour and 30 minutes basically give you so many bits so many bites and 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 quotes to use but i feel like at the time it uh, I sort of look at wife's face in between like you saying, okay, I got to get my camera reset. It kind of does this thing where the video cuts out sort of like, I, I don't want to have a, a casual disregard for the process that's going on. I don't want to describe it like that, but uh, I think husband, when he started restreaming last year or maybe it was the end of 2020 husband said, wife told me not to do an interview for the smash brothers documentary he did an interview with samox and and then i said well do i do one because samox is kind of asking husband will you do an interview and wife's like going oh well, i don't know if i don't know how legit this is i, I don't know how it's going to turn out <laughs> it was very true he did not necessarily think that i was uh going to do anything with this interview um, and to be fair to me, and this is something it, it probably came across to him like that was a particularly unprofessional thing. I, I, let me just paint the picture of the guy behind the camera. I did not look like this. This is you know kind of professional looking for me right now, even though I did just come back from a jog. I <laughs> back then I had like a massive amount of hair. Like I had probably even you know more of a, a beard kind of going on, like a goatee or something. Um, I was sleeping in a car. Uh, a rental car um and like it, it just kind of being a crazy bohemian you know with no money making this thing um so the fact that he gave me what he gave me which was gold uh chiefly because he had been writing this book uh i believe what's what's it refresh my memory team ben. um team ben life of pro gamer i believe it was something mm -hmm. like that um he had all that stuff right up here ready to go just by happenstance um and so i think he was just ready to to say it and give it give it kind of voice and and um he thankfully he took a chance on the on a dirtbag looking documentarian <laughs> that camera the reason it rolls out like that is the 7d which was like hot shit back then um was this is 2011 2012 um it had like a, a capacity on on the the thing so it would automatically shut off after like 10 12 minutes of shooting so I had to be like running the audio, doing the interview and keeping an eye on this fucking camera that would like have this little red dot. It's like if it goes out and you're not paying attention and then you're you're filming nothing, essentially. So yes. it was it was rough. Good camera, though. Good camera. <laughs> yes, I, I was all I mean, as a someone who was very, very young at the time seeing Smash Brothers documentary, I'm going, well, this is better than anything I've ever seen related to Melee <laughs> in my life. Not to be mean to all the stuff that came before. But I, yeah. I think of you as the person who sort of modernized what making something about Melee looks like. I mean, there were people who came before you, and there were people who recorded tournaments, footage, all that stuff, people who lived in the community and were part of it. But I feel like you would be the person who modernized that. Is that a fair assessment? I'd say so. I think even Bach would say that. Um, he, I, He's the one that I, I look to it for a lot of the like inspiration for um, like Smash-specific stuff. 
Uh, I, I mean, he obviously predated me. Um, but yeah, he. I think he. It's fair to say that that um, there wasn't anything quite like the Smash Brothers before it came around. There was concurrently there was a production that never ended up getting reduced or released, and I was worried about it when I started filming. It was called Smash Exclamation Point The Dock. Ah, I don't know if you knew about this, but there's this guy. Mm-hmm. Cannot remember his tag for the life of me, but um, it's on, Oni Onisha. I don't know what it is. Um, but he was working on this this documentary, and it was very well shot. It was obviously shot on a DSLR, just like I was doing. Uh, and I was kind of like, oh fuck, I, I don't want to step on his toes, and I don't want him to step on mine. So I remember I sent him a message or two, and then he never ended up doing anything with his project. He stopped. Um, so years later, I, I got some of his footage. I asked him, like, hey, can I grab some of your footage that he shot? He shot at Genesis 2. I wasn't there. Um, so some of the footage in metagame that you see of, say, um, uh, Armada and Mango up on stage at Genesis 2, that is his from the Smash the Dock. It just it never got released. So apologize for my street. There's a... I don't know if you can hear it. There's a police I, car going by. <laughs> no, I can't. But uh, I'm, oh, I'm thinking specifically of Armada versus Hungrybox, where it's last stock and Hungrybox is trying to fly away as Puff, and yes. and Armada's going after him with Young Link with the desperation up B that falls one percent short. <laughs> that was uh, that, that shot of Hungrybox reacting to it after that, where I thought for sure that was you filming that. You're like, you know, you're right behind the setup and you're just filming Hungrybox Armada playing that set. That was so that would have been the other person trying to make the other content piece around yes. melee. Uh, if you, if you can find it, I, I, I haven't I look up smash the dock. Um, it's, I'm sure it's hard to find now because <laughs> the smash brothers become the dock, but uh, it's, it's definitely still out there on YouTube. There are a few, especially from Genesis two, I think you'll see really high quality footage. That wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about how in general YouTube is, starting to feel like a place where old footage can just immediately disappear at a moment's notice there there was a little bit of rumblings about how prog's youtube channel completely disappeared and and everything everything that was on and there was all kinds of different stuff around melee that just also because of the channel disappearing all those videos disappear the footage disappeared um and I think about how you had challenges with metagame trying to f- not only find the footage that you wanted that you thought, wait, and I thought this was on YouTube. Where is it? I need it. <laughs> and then yeah. you also needed to try to find the person who actually filmed it, get their permission to use it for the documentary and everything. But I feel like that still continues today. So does the prospect of someone who wants to use older footage, does it feel like a lost cause or do does it feel like, oh, I should probably just try to get a hold of Samox. He probably knows a lot of these people. <laughs> well, um, I think to be honest, that is it's pretty low risk kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> the older footage that people put up there and just kind of left. Um, I don't think that worries distributors quite as much as like the big N in the in the room as much. Like you know, if some somebody shot some old footage of some tournament. Years ago, they'd probably forgotten about it. Um, the risk that they would then get really mad and uh, and sue you is very very low. Um, although there is only there was only one person that I contacted in my entire like search like hundreds of people that I went through to get permission for various things. Only one person said no. Um, so I think most people just don't care. Um, but uh, it will get harder and harder, I think, to track down people. And like you said, I think the YouTube footage 
if you you know if you can uh, and you you feel so possessed, I think uh, if you can grab footage that you particularly like anytime you see it, you know, just grab it off YouTube uh, just to help save it. The, it's you know you're doing a service to the community because there are some pieces of, of footage, some channels that just kind of disappear. Uh, it's really unfortunate. You'd think it would be preserved forever on the internet, but that's really not true. <laughs> it's not. I get nervous about the stuff that I put out. I always like make a backup and save it. So hopefully I don't get mad and <clears throat> delete that at some point down the line. <laughs> I'm thinking about how I'm losing my train of thought a little bit. Okay. So I'm thinking about how, when you, when you're trying to get the smash documentary out the first one i feel like i don't really know so much about the part where there was not that you said hey announcement i'm gonna make the documentary starting now onto smashboards i think you may you might have attended one or two tournaments with your camera and started doing stuff and then started to say oh wait this is expensive to do <laughs> and i am broke so i'm gonna need a little bit of help y'all uh i don't really know much about that process i think uh, I think there there was something about a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter, but honestly, I couldn't really tell you much else. All of a sudden, Smash Brothers was there for me because I'm I was definitely a casual at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I think that was true for a lot of people. I, I was, you know, I I had been introduced to the whole thing through my brother. We were living together at the time in Boston. Uh, I moved out there in 2010. And the only game we had in the house was Melee. And he was great at it. And I was, you know, good at 64, but, you know, he was younger than me. And so he was, he was, you know, I'd wave dash, knew all the techniques and shit. And um, he was beating my ass so hard. And one night I just got really pissed. I was like, what the fuck are you doing in this game? And so then he was like, all right, let me show you. Let me show you the truth. And he opens up the door, you know, and shows me all the, the well, he shows me most three is what he shows me. He shows me that incredible back and forth you know match and how isaiah and ken were, were moving and um that just i i knew i, I had just gotten this amazing camera because i was going to make music videos at the time uh he was going to berkeley school of music and i was sort of looking to find what i wanted to do next and um his you know have ha introducing me to to melee like this i was like and i and like teaching me about just like the basics i hopped on and found chillin's history of the smasher which was an incredible, uh, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's the blog post on Smashboards where he details sort of the early days of Smash, him meeting Azin, the DA rivalry, all the way up through Game Over, I believe, and maybe even to, to TG6 where Azin beats Captain Jack. Um, so then that just inspired me. I was like, oh, this is a story. This is amazing. You know, I just got seen um, um, King of Kong, not like a few years ago before then i was like wow people you can make documentaries about video game players like it's a thing you can do and it can be successful so I, th I saw i had this amazing camera i saw this story just immediately start performing um but it wasn't like uh i wasn't in the community at all i i had to convince the community essentially to um join me i guess i made this you got i don't know if it's still available right now it's uh, i believe it's unlisted but it, i made a pilot episode to, to try to raise money on the Kickstarter. Uh, I only ended up raising like $4,000 out of my original like 8000 that I wanted. Um, so it wasn't a lot of money at all. And I bought it out of, with my own credit card, which is really stupid because then you end up paying 
taxes on your own. It's really bad. It's dumb. Uh, <laughs> never do that. But um, what I ended up having to do was like, you know, I, I made my friends kind of sit down for this this thing and pretend that they were smashers and just to show the quality that I could get. And then I started to get like, okay, this guy seems like he knows what he's doing. Like, let's try to help him out. And PBMD was one of the first people to to hop on the bandwagon and be like, yeah, I'll give 50 bucks. And, you know, so I kind of went from there. The first tournament I actually went to was a brawl tournament uh, not too long after that. Uh, I think it was 2011, late in that year. Um, and then everything sort of just snowballed from there, just, you know, putting everything I could on the credit card and barely, you know, surviving <laughs> month to month. <laughs> that's crazy to me that again like uh, you could just feel that coming through not that i knew the whole story like i said but it is, it is amazing to me how you could feel that coming through in the uh, documentary itself at the time you had the storyline up through roughly not not exactly but apex 2012 maybe the maybe later on in the year because obviously the documentary itself came out at the uh, towards the end of 2013 but it feels like most of the footage is 2012 a little bit of evo 2013 just uh, at the end of the smash brothers documentary to sort of bookend the, the 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 whole thing but um at that point you already had genesis one you already and and you had genesis two and i'm curious about your thought process behind saying we can end it at about the time that brawl came out not not that that was the exact cutoff point because again cover tournaments that happened afterwards especially the the mango episode but for me since there's so many threads in in smash even even though there were there were less players overall than i would argue to say that there are now and how everybody's posted on twitter everybody's streaming and that it seems to me as if there's more top players than ever before even if that's not 100 percent true but it feels like there's just so much to keep track of and to nail down in terms of creating a coherent story you talk about how these things came into your mind what was the decision making process behind saying all right let's maybe stop after like about 2008. it's a good question i think a lot of it came down to um like you said, you have, you have to kind of find your stories. You have to find your, um, because you can, you can make stories about pretty much anything. Like, uh, you know, people ask me why I didn't have like a Chudat specific episode, for example, uh, even though he was, you know, winning tournaments and stuff and up there with like the best at the time. Um, but I just sort of, you have to kind of be judicious in figuring out what you're not going to talk about or not put in the spotlight. Um, and some of it was just dead reckoning being like, you know what? I think I've, I will have enough content without continuing on into, uh, Genesis and stuff. Um, I knew I wanted to do like, uh, uh after I shot there at FC legacy, the 2012 tournament, uh, between, you know, mango and, and hungry box, the sort of tournament that is, uh, the, the glue, I guess, of, of mango's episode. Um, I knew I wanted to have a very kind of specific style for that one to kind of right before the, the final episode, which would be almost not even really an episode in the same sense the others are, where they have like, you know, buildups and subplots and stuff. The last episode is much more um, like this is the end. The whole the whole <laughs> series is sort of wrapped up in that one. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, Genesis 1, I also, there, I, part of me just, I didn't like Peach. Uh, I didn't really like... <laughs> And I, I, you know, I, I honestly, I didn't, I, I, I was like, at the time I was like, this is a lame character. I don't want to put the spotlight on Armada, except in the sense that 
he's a, a roadblock for Mango, you know, to to beat at the end. Yay, America. Um, which I did again in, in Medicaid, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. But um, the, you know, the, the um, I think it was a little bit of that. And, and also just, just because I knew I had so much already. Uh, I'm glad I saved it because, you know, there were, there is a universe where I could have covered those things in, in the Smash Brothers, but I wouldn't have done it well. Um, I would have, I would have been rushing it. I would have had no money left, I think, to do, to do that. But um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't kind of use up all the stories. Yes. And that's also another reason to the person who's invisibly asking, what about doubles? That's a fun question you get a lot is like, <laughs> well, I just had a lot to go with already. Also yeah. to anybody who says, well, where's the chew at? Where's the double stuff? You could also maybe do it yourself. That, that kind of is a thought <laughs> process because it's true. Uh, I think about yeah. the person who, who dropped the smash, the dock. Uh, there have been so many people who've probably seen your work and go, oh, I would love to do something like that. But then they, they don't, it just takes so much to actually do yeah. actually put something that's so conscious effort. It takes so much effort to, to do. Yeah. It's uh, as a solo warrior thing, like, man, it's, it's, I mean, it took me five years to finish many games. So that's, that's, it's insanity. And yet you did collaborate, I feel like overall collaborate more with more people for, for metagame, especially because you needed help with legal stuff to be able to say, this is, this is my work. Nobody can come forward and say, Hey, you use my footage or you use my song. Mm -hmm. Let's shut down Ken's episode on YouTube forever and ever. <laughs> Amen. And you, you, so this is, this was your own. And I know that you had people who are in the biz, if you will, who were helpful to that kind of stuff, which is very cool. And then you have people like Garrett Williamson, who's composing super awesome music. I, I mean, I, w when watching through metagame again, it was like chills for certain parts, obviously all the big, all the big moments really, I mean, Armada winning Genesis two and Mango winning Genesis uh, yeah. one and PPMD yeah. one, pound four, those, those are such amazing moments. And actually for, for Armada's part where he's winning Genesis two, it's the belt, it's the joy on his face. Is that Garrett Williamson there? Or is that somebody else? Yeah, big shout out to Garrett Williamson. He's an absolutely incredible um, musician and composer. And, uh, you know, what he, you know, I definitely, I did have help. I mean, I had Alpha Zealot was my, like, my right hand man as far as like the business side of things went. We did have a law firm that we worked with, you know, where I didn't, I just was going crazy. And the first one, I was just grabbing things, doing whatever I wanted. Um, and Garrett Williamson, he just he put so much amazing life into those hype moments, uh, and and like the that really soft song that that was his sort of reinterpretation of my terrible version of it. I wrote a, a very bad <laughs> version of that, like you know Armada finally wins uh, moment, and he reinterpreted that uh, absolutely beautifully. So yeah, that's one of my things that I always want to have, like. If, if if a piece of work isn't making you want to like cry or yell or giving you some kind of the think of the word as frisson frisson uh, like the the sense of chills going up the back of your spine that's something that you should always be trying to elicit uh, in an audience because that's what I want when I watch something I want to feel moved and so Garrett was amazing at that and um, yeah the the artwork too like this this was the behind me the uh, mm -hmm. Poster is by Germ Reverso, who's a smasher, amazing link, link guy. Um, 
and uh, incredible artist. And then the 3D art was Daniel Wyatt, who um, did an amazing job too. So I definitely had some some help this time around, which was nice. Yes, but then when you have to communicate your your vision, I've I've had to do this for just the artwork for my own podcast. There's much less stuff to work on. Okay, but like the 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 new intro for season four, which is finally done, finally, many <laughs> many revisions. It's not because it's not because of me specifically entirely. Um, my brother made the artwork, but then I asked somebody else to do the video stuff, and and then my brother's like, no, it's not right. You need to change this. You need to change that. And I'm going, well, well I'm the one who's heading up the projects. Why are you telling me to do all of this stuff? Um, <laughs> so, like, you're asking somebody to make something that is ultimately going to be in your project, and you want them to feel like uh that it's no longer their baby and you don't you don't care about how they feel but I, that was a that was some lessons that i learned here in the past couple of weeks of going like i need i need this to be something that i am willing to say this i'm putting this forward under my name i guess even though i'm not the one who made it but like i'm kind of the one who made it i don't know how to actually navigate this how tricky was that for you Oh, it was, it's definitely an important thing to learn whenever you're collaborating with someone um, is how to kind of try to get your vision. Like this particular poster was not the original that um, Germ came up with. He, I just told him like the basics of what I wanted and he went for it. And the version he came back with was it's good, but it was not it didn't elicit what I was looking for. It wasn't like this. Th this is exactly what I wanted. Uh, and this was the second time around. And we, we kind of, I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm looking for something a little different. And, um, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll kick you in a little more money, but I really want, you know, da, da, da. and he's like, okay, I, we're going to get it this time. And then he fucking just nailed it. So I, I feel like, I don't know, I, artists recognize that you, you, you don't necessarily, you can't communicate exactly what your vision is directly into someone's skull. And it takes revision sometimes. And you just gotta, gotta be on the same page, I guess, with, with respect. And, um, that's, that's a big thing. And I wanted to give a shout out real quick before we move on to the next question to Doodle Dudester and David V. Campbell chatting it up in chat. Appreciate it. Raise the bar, Rash again, and Ten Toes Dusloff. Thank you for the follows. Okay. I saw that video for your presentation of why you should nominate and also vote for metagame on the East Point Pictures YouTube channel of different sort of things. This is what I did. Maybe you didn't notice, but this is what I did. And I'm, I'm seeing like this, this whole thing about how there's certain images. I don't want to describe it as rainbow coming off of like the edge of the screen, but there's just, a, just different things that you were trying to do to sort of, again, put it put the stamp of Sandbox and East Point pictures onto metagame. And would you say that was the sort of stuff painstakingly going through something that's eight plus hours long uh, and making sure that every single shot has something that's actually unique where you freeze the frame and something's going on where you go, yes, this is what I want. I like this shot. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it, I tried to showcase exactly how how small you get in trying to figure that stuff out. I think you're referring to the um, the prism effect that I was looking for, where I yes. wanted something that kind of elicited um, a little bit of a VHS effect without going full into it, because I didn't want that to be like just sort of th you, th you throw on the filter you know, right. that you everybody can throw on. I wanted it to be subtle enough, but also just kind of there in the back of your mind or, or just something that elicits that. Um, and yeah, that, that particular video, I was aiming that for, uh, you know, at the, the people that were at the esports awards, the, the committees and stuff. Um, 
trying to also get people to vote because it was a community vote thing and trying to you know do you know get multiple people excited about it um so i, I think i did an okay job of, of uh showcasing how the tiniest little things you have to pay attention to and and you know work with um but that's that's also the fun of it right like you can you have this time especially if it's all your baby like this is my project, you know, that's why I got into documentary. I, I wasn't originally like a journalist. Um, that's not kind of my background. I, I came from fiction, um, or, you know, I, I made films when I was a kid and I wanted to pursue kind of a filmmaking career in that sense. Um, but I was, I didn't really have any interest in documentary when I realized that you could single-handedly make a series about video game players that kind of had the same fictional or, or you know, narrative points that you could get in a fiction film but it would be real like that that kind of drove me into this because i, I wanted that that attempt or, or that that opportunity to have the, the minute control over everything in that project and that is something that documentary does allow you to do that other collaborations and like larger uh, productions even smaller independent productions you don't have that same control as you do in in a documentary so and you you've you've alluded to this a little bit that even though you have more control it takes it just takes time so much more time because you're doing it after you do the uh, like a normal job type stuff and you have to raise funds to do the legal stuff because oh legal offices love love paychecks they love that stuff um so that you have to do you have to do you have to take even more time, which is why metagame, or at least that was one of the reasons that the release of metagame took the amount of time that, that it did. Definitely I wanted added to... at least a year and a half, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah. And so this is the question that I've always thought, and I've always wanted to ask you, but how the heck, how do you keep these things within yourself? Because like I said earlier, typically I record a podcast and then I go, <laughs> literally 30 seconds after we're done talking and we hang up and going, I need to get this out now, now. <laughs> and so holding on to something, I had to hold on to my Pew Pew You interview from last year. I held on to that for about a month and I was going insane. I was like, oh no, it's out of date already. We talked about topical things. No, how is this going to be relevant to anybody? But right. it was really cool because it premiered on a, a during a, an Austin Melee tournament, online tournament that they had. So it was cool. It was worth the nice. wait. But it was nice. so like that's that's the whole thing. I always thought how torturous it must have been because of course you want people to see it, but then you also know all the things that you have to do except <clears throat> except that for it, what felt like the final stretch of what you had to do the the patching, if you will, in the summer of 2020 plus all the legal stuff of, Hey, I got to use this musical piece. I got to use this video footage clip that I technically didn't originate myself, but the project itself is more or less ready to go. How did you hold on to it? So excellently. <laughs> did you just show it to like one or two people? Allegedly is that, you know, allegedly. Um, no, I definitely, we, I had a focus group actually. Um, it was, uh, I don't know. Do, do you ever see King of Kong? I have not. Highly recommend it. It's a very good uh, documentary, and it, it's sort of like the first of its kind, I guess, uh, like I said, of showing that you could do a documentary about video game players and have it be really interesting. But the it's about these Donkey Kong players, uh, Steve Wiebe and um, Billy Mitchell. And uh, the one of the places they go to is this place called Fun Spot, which is an arcade up in New Hampshire. And there's this amazing group of cabins right across the street from it. You can go and there's a hot tub and you have grills and it's it's awesome place. 
So I got a bunch of friends. We all went up to uh, one of these cabins. You know, during the day, we'd go to arcade games and we'd watch three episodes of Metagame. I'd get their kind of responses and stuff. Um, so I did have, you know, the opportunity for, for people to watch it. And that was kind of nice, like, you know, holding me over <laughs> as far as, like, getting a response from anybody. I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm on the right track here. I'm on the right track. Um, and, uh, you know, so the, I think the, 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 the honest answer is I, I wouldn't have, I really was, was barely holding on at the end there, especially because of what happened with, like, uh, in summer of 2020 with all the revelations and stuff. It was just like I was the, the day before I was, you know, talking about how I had done it. Like we're, we're here. We got all the legal stuff out of the way. I think there's a I look particularly happy because I'm, I'm, I'm ready to like announce it and stuff. And we're going to do it in the next like month or so. Um, and then like, you know, all the revelations came out. And it's like, well, now I have another fucking, you know, however long it's going to take me to fix this shit. Um, so. Yeah, that was, I mean, I'm glad it came out when it did, because otherwise I, I would have forever, I'd have these guys in this series that um, I think should do not belong there. Um, but at the same time, just like, oh my god, like, really? <laughs> Enough on my plate, I don't need this fucking extra, you know, insane amount of work to do, so... That makes me feel so much better just knowing like how hard it was for you. I'm sorry that I'm, like, feeling better because of the pain that you went through. <laughs> But it no, just no makes me feel like I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the only person out there who just goes, I made something. This is cool. Time to share. <laughs> I get that feeling. I have a few Patreon questions for you from the subs. So we have Chris Stab of Conduit Gaming. Shout out, shout outs. Uh, what is Samox's relationship with Melee beyond the content slash business level that most people know Samox for? Uh, I mean, I I wish I could play more. I don't have a setup I can play at my house, but I, I've been... There was a time where I really was like, oh, what if I filmed myself? This is, you know, I was wondering like how I could do shoulder content for the Smash Brothers in the early days, uh, or even just kind of include it as one of an episode, and I scrapped this idea pretty early on that I would be filming myself getting trained by local, you know, MDVA, MDVA in Boston, you know, East Coast people, uh, and how to be, um, uh, you know, a good Smash player. And you know, I, I've I've learned a lot. I, I've the best I think I've ever done is uh, took a game in pools. This <laughs> 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 is never, you know, that's you know, there's a lot of plenty of melee people, especially nowadays. Like it's like I think you alluded to this earlier. Like I do think there are way more amazing players now than there ever were um, back in the even the golden age. I don't think there were as many players then as there are now um yeah i'd have to be double checked on that but you know yeah i think that's right um so my uh my my melee kind of experience um besides like the content creation and stuff is mostly being a scrub lord that's what that's <laughs> what my melee experience is <laughs> well i would like to say i see you tweeting about smash melee big tournament big tournament moments i see you tweeting about big ultimate moments by the way which is cool that's true i mean, I mean shout out to ultimate it's 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 there to show you how 
how how much you're missing out on kind of a thing. Yeah. I don't hate on the new Smash games enough to say, yes, I do want to do a, not a murder piece in my own potential documentary <laughs> someday. But uh, by the way, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not trying to criticize you for how you put out Brawl in the in either documentary. Actually, I loved it so much in the Smash Brothers documentary because I said, somebody gets it, tripping sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 as funny as it is, I was going to say, like, uh, I don't think that Brawl players will believe me when I say, but I really don't hate Brawl that much. I, I, I dislike its play style in comparison to Melee, but I played Brawl before I played Melee, and I liked it. I, well, I liked it fine. Um, it was, and I do, I have, I can play Ultimate now way more easily than I can play Melee. I don't have a Melee setup. I need to change that soon. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, um, it, it came across more harshly, I think, in, in the uh, first one. <laughs> it, sure. it succeeded in the job where it goes, all the Melee players are excited. And then it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and, and most casuals don't understand because their right. parents buy them a Wii and there's a Smash game and they have no conception of earlier no Smash games. They go, oh, wow, on the virtual console for the Wii when I'm buying all these old-style Nintendo games. What's this, Smash 64? There was a Smash game before Brawl? What? No, no, there were two before Brawl. And so that's. I think that was the important thing you were trying to capture. Like, the people who really enjoyed Smash, who loved 64, who loved Melee, then they get Brawl. It is a very different experience on the competitive level and trying to deepen the experience. It, it kind of stops almost at the surface so you, you're trying to tap for something and you're getting nothing no gas yeah. no gold no nothing you're just going like what there's no, nothing in here uh even it's it very true very even true. if the competitive scene two brawls credit did survive until smash 4 came out melee helping with that all that kind of fun stuff i wanted to also point out that you were at a smash fest for the first time in a long time i saw a post on twitter about that and i thought oh this is so special when you get to go to somebody's house go to a homie's house and you have you just have a bunch of setups and you're just playing maybe you do an unofficial paper tournament kind of thing no one mm -hmm. no one do a start gg page you don't need to do challenge it's just like <laughs> let's just see who the best is in the room and we'll do however we think is best however it goes you got snacks, drinks, melee. So just talk to me about that a little bit. How was that? Because you seemed like you were having a great time. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I, like I said in the tweet, it was the first time I've been to a fest in probably, what did I say, five years, maybe longer than yeah. that? I don't know. Um, uh, it, was, uh, it was awesome. Literally right down the street from me, a bunch of people uh, in the Aust on Austin, Astoria melee scene. Um, you know, Ryo Beat was there. Um, you know, uh, Gabe, uh, Gabe was there. What's his? It starts with the V. God damn it, he's in metagame. Can't remember his tag. I remember his name, Gabe. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, you know, it's so awesome. That was what kind of <clears throat> originally captured me, too, about made Melee special. Um, it was this, it's a fighting game, but it feels like a platform game, like, you know, a Mario game, and you can only play it in one place together, sitting next to your opponent. And Culturally, the tournament scene kind of grew out of just going to someone's house. It wasn't an arcade sort of situation where you go to, you know, play Street Fighter against somebody and you had to pump in quarters. You go, you might even sleep over at their house. And so there was more of this familial friendship side to it. Um, and that, I think, is the best part of that, or one of the best parts about it. And I, I, in the original Smash Talk, 
that's one of the reasons, you know, the, the main ending points, the parts what makes you feel that little frisson in the back of your spine is, you know, KO just saying, you know, we, we were just friends, you know, that, that last line is just like, Oh God. Yes. Oh, fresh heart. Yeah, that's, that's what it's about. It's like hanging out with friends and and uh, and also playing sick melee and making it look sick as fuck. So. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. No, that's what I'm saying. It's it's so cool that you still even now get to have that experience. I just love the idea of like Samox coming in. How's it gonna go? It's been in such a long time. But then there's a part of it where as soon as you get there, everything's just sort of like you relax. You go, oh yes, of course I want to be here. This is awesome. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. And then we have some more questions. This is from uh, Oates, who is one of the, well, actually the main person behind the major zine, which is something that you can read on. Well, there's a couple of different places where you can find it. But if you look up major zine on Twitter, you will find that pretty quickly. So these are from Oates. Who are the, okay, I have to, let me, let me add my own bit about this once I'm done asking the question. <laughs> who, who are the documentarians or filmmakers that inspire Samox? And I have a follow-up question to that. What's so special about Ken Burns? All I do when I watch a Ken Burns, I tried to give it a shot, Samox. I tried watching his country documentary, country music documentary, excuse me. Mm. It was one of the more recent ones that Ken Burns put out. And you've, you've talked about Ken Burns one or two times. And so I watched that country music documentary or I got about three hours in or so. And I'm, and I, I, I don't get it. It's, it's, maybe it's because, maybe it's because <laughs> I had it. I try to go in with an open mind. Uh, I just didn't get it be, uh, probably because I don't enjoy country music all that much, but it just did not feel as nearly as dynamic as maybe the stuff I'm normally used to watching, you know, Marvel things are exploding all the time or, or the <laughs> smash documentaries where I'm watching something that I actually care about, I guess. Maybe that's just me, but you can talk about Ken Burns or you can talk about the actual question, like who are the documentaries? Oh, I'll, I'll answer or, both those. Uh, right. Those are, uh, you know, the, like, you know, one of my answers to the Oates' question would be, you know, especially as it relates to my own work um, with Metagame and with the Smash Brothers, uh, Ken Burns was a huge inspiration for me. Now, I will say, I haven't really finished any other uh ken burns documentaries except for um the civil war the civil war uh to my mind is actually um his best work i i only say that because like i couldn't get through a lot of his other stuff i just didn't grab me as much the civil war the subject matter the way he covered it um it was just so uh interesting in uh how it combined a lot of different aspects of uh, society at that time like you know the women on the the home front you know the the private on the battlefield the commanders the tactics everything was kind of you know woven together you know especially around like lincoln and stuff and his his conflicting motivations and and the music was great in it um which is something i kept in the back of my mind is like okay if i want to make a good documentary series i gotta have great music <laughs> And uh, I do love, like, you know, that old, you know, the Civil War style music. So I, I can't speak, honestly, for his other work. I, I should maybe say specifically it's Ken Burns' The Civil War. Uh, I do think that some of his other stuff drags a little bit. Like, he gets too like, wound up in the minutia, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I, I will only speak for The Civil War. And if you haven't seen that one, I would say give that one a chance. Uh, I think they recently re-released it in 4K, so... Uh, not a bad, not a bad watch. Um, but as far as other inspirations go, um, you know, a lot of them are, like I said, I come, I come from more the fiction side of stuff. I, I really love, um, you know, 
a lot of Spielberg stuff. Like Spielberg is uh, the master, man. Like he's, uh, as far as like filmmaking style goes, and I'm still trying to learn more and more about like what it is that I liked about his style. Like, you know, I've watched Jaws a million times. I've watched, uh, you know, um, Jurassic Park a million times. Those are, you know, the, the big blockbusters, I think really always kind of spoke to me. Um, and I've always wanted to sort of um, up my filmmaking game, I guess, in that sense. Um, I don't know if it really comes out in my work necessarily, but those are the ones, the people that inspired me. Um, and, uh, you know, Michael Crichton, even though he's not a, he's, he's a, you know, an author, but that's, it's the storytelling style, I think, that, that mostly inspires me. Recently, Stephen King, I haven't been a big Stephen King reader, and I read Pet Cemetery recently, and it just, like, blew me away how he told his story. Um, it's a different medium, but it's still kind of, these other mediums can really inform what you put into like any other creative medium, I feel. So, um, yeah, I think it was that all that was his question. I'm sorry. Uh, the documentarians or filmmakers that inspired, uh, you Sam Austin. Yeah. I think, yeah. yes, you did cover that fairly well. Um, and then we talked about this a little bit actually already. So you could think of something else if you didn't, if you don't think you have anything else to add, but what are some of the things that you learned between the first documentary and the second documentary, between Smash Brothers and Metagame, where you thought, okay, Smash Brothers, here's a lesson that I want to actively apply to my next project for Metagame, even if it wasn't necessarily called Metagame at the time where you're making it. Yeah, yeah. Originally, it was the Smash Brothers colon Armada. Um, it was just going to be an extra episode. Uh, but because I raised so much money, I raised like 32000 25000 after taxes. Uh, I was like, fuck, I'm going to do another series, baby. Woo, keep this train rolling. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, with with that in mind, I, I sort of, um, I did, but, but the thing is, I originally went into this thinking that it would be a movie. Like, I, I, I've already done a series. I want to do a different kind of um, project. And, and in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, film it like I always do. And uh, I'll have a good story and then I'll cut it up like a movie at the end. And it took me about eight months of editing. Like I, I had the first act done as a film. Uh, and I came to the terrifying conclusion uh, that when I started to work on the second act, that it wasn't a movie. I hadn't shot a movie. Mm -hmm. um, I had shot another series without yep. kind of because I, I didn't put the, the forethought in thinking what I needed for a film to really work. Um, I had so many different subplots, so many different things that I wanted to do, and there was no way I could get it into one film. You could, like, make it into maybe one movie that has is not covering nearly as much. It just it wouldn't feel right to me. I don't think it would have worked as well. Um, so I, I, I kind of failed to learn some lessons, I think, from Smash Brothers in certain ways because I, I didn't realize that I, what I was doing with production needed to change. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly what I could have done necessarily to change it. I think I would have needed way more help on the production end. I would have needed more cameras at, at events, more um, like different angles on things. So Wait, extra, I did get extra footage? <laughs> yeah, more footage. Honestly, like there were certain <laughs> things that I just didn't have uh, that were necessary for a film. Uh, at least in my mind, there was just no way I could make certain dramatic moments work or make sense without having the footage there. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a real, actually the, the most important lesson 
uh, I learned from the Smash Brothers was a failure to uh, account for that in metagame. But I think as a series, it works great. You know, it, it, it does. I did shoot it as a series, not knowing that I was doing that. Um, so, but I guess for more concrete examples of things that I did learn uh, and want to correct, like, I, you know, it sounds stupid and small, but like font, having everything kind of cohesive stylistically, um, you know, I didn't have a color correction uh, idea in mind for the Smash Brothers. Um, like, I just like kind of put a LUT in, which is like, you know, have a certain kind of color correction uh, standard, and I just kind of let that fly, which looks fine. But I did kind of want to, okay, I want to have a certain look. Like, I, you know, you were talking about the, with the prism and stuff. I wanted to have a cohesive sort of feel. Uh, and I also did want a big climactic moment, which, you know, the Smash Brothers has a lot of those in individual episodes. Right. But it's, Arguable that the last episode of the Smash Brothers is not like a climax in uh, for the whole series. Like, it's not one character you know that you've been like or three characters you've been following for the whole time, kind of coming to a climax. Um, I guess you know technically there's six, but this dot right <laughs> here and that dot right there didn't get very much uh, as much as the other the other dots got. Um, <laughs> and uh, so. You know, a lot of it came down to luck. Like, I didn't know what story I was going to get out of this mm -hmm. when I was shooting Apex 2015, right? Like, anyone could have won at that point. And, uh, but I knew as, you know, when PP won and when Leffen beat Mango, I knew I had all these amazing storylines that were going to really work together um, uh, for the final. So, luck is a huge part of, especially documentary work in that sense. And so, we're up against it in terms of time. Just wanted to make sure you're doing all right over there. I'm cool. We can, you can keep rolling if you have more questions. Uh, basically, I wanted to ask about uh, things as they are now within Melee. If you follow along and you are vaguely aware of the stuff that's going on with the with at the top, I guess, because that is that's the challenge, right? Because Hungrybox and Mewtwo King, what big events did they win? Maybe there's a Apex 2010. Maybe there is a Paragon 2015 for Hungrybox specifically. And honestly, I'm having a very hard time thinking of what specific event did Mewtwo King win within that time that you could have possibly covered, but you didn't. But like, that's the whole thing, right? Uh, for this year so far in 2022, Zane has won, has won Genesis 8 and, and Pound. And then IBDW won Smash Summit 13. And then Leffen came out of nowhere with a, with a controller he barely used just starting on that weekend, pulling out Fox and Sheik, Sheik specifically for the Marth matchup, specifically for Zane, and taking that event. So it's been a really cool year so far. Oh, and then CEO, sorry, a little bit smaller, but shout out to Plub. Let's go, Plub. Yeah, and so you, yes, you get, you get, you get, you get, you're getting, you're getting a lot of amazing stories. Uh, I think about how Mango used to be the person who burst into the scene and then there were players like Plup or Zane or IBDW and now most recently Jay Mook who had been playing Melee for a very long time and for some odd reason said you know what I'll just save it <laughs> I'm not gonna make an ultra big splash until Genesis 8 where I will casually get second place including a 3-0 of IBDW and losers which was insane so you have all there are all kinds of storylines that to me are very very cool very interesting I love following along and I would just be totally lost in regards to making a, a documentary about it so what i do instead is i just talk about it a couple times a week on a podcast and i just leave it at that so it's not about whether or not you're going to make another documentary in melee that's not really the question it's just more of like what's been the most interesting storyline to you samox uh, 
You know, I, yeah, making a, the Smash Brothers today or metagame today, I think would be a lot harder. Um, I mean, in both of those situations, I did have sort of a lot of history behind me, right? Like I had pretty much everything up to when I was, and then I could like, I put all those kind of historical episodes together and then have the forward ones or the ones that were kind of happening at the time. And metagame also similarly, there was a lot of history there running up to the time where it was like a concurrent thing and I was going to Apex 2015, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the po- the podcast method probably is the best way to do it, uh, just to keep <laughs> current and stuff. Um, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I think it is. It's, it's, it's a really good kind of way to construct stuff, especially when it comes to sports generally. I think that's, you know, um, probably the best way to do it. But if I had to kind of take my stab at the most interesting storylines. I really, I do love the, you know, like Mango's like one of the old men of the community now, uh, but he's still, you know, near the top. Uh, he still has what it takes to like go toe to toe with Zane. Uh, Zane is, you know, trying to cement his legacy um, you know, as, as, and also just, you know, show his dominance as I think it is like you, like you pointed out, like we're in an era where I, I told this to Mewtwo King. He, he had no idea what I was talking about when I said it. Um, but I said, you know, we're in like sort of like the chaos era or whatever. It's, it's always fun <laughs> to kind of like qualify the eras that you're in. Uh, you know, the golden age, the platinum age, um, the dark ages, you know, between them, those two. The and then after mm-hmm. the slip era, yeah, you know. Um, and I think, I, I, you know, I, I've used the, the kind of casual chaos era to describe what we've seen since the, the five gods era. Um, cause it is, it's hard to kind of pin, pin down. There's no one Ken or, you know, um, Armada or eight, I don't know. I feel like Hbox has kind of, you know, cooled. Obviously he had his, his t- period where he was like at the top, we kind of went back and forth where there were different, um, you know, floaties kind of putting a stranglehold on things. Um, <laughs> but even then I was, I, I, it's hard to describe like what the era, like, you know, give it its, its terminology that there was the most i think i want to say the most tournaments ever in that time period or at least the biggest payouts um i guess that was platinum era a lot of that was platinum era um i, I don't know it's 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 hard it's it's a chaos a chaotic thing and it, it, i am kind of glad that i'm not um having to come up with storylines for this particular <laughs> era. living in it it's it i can imagine it'd be tough but People like, you know, turn down for Walt or, or um, you know, the Austin Melee guys or you, mm-hmm. you know, trying to put together um, interesting storylines and stuff. I think that's what continually makes it interesting. It's the uh, the current stuff, everything that's kind of coming out right now. I think that puts a really interesting spin on it. So I, I must say for my my favorite part is that they're the backdrop of Mango Zane. Anytime that happens melee history gets rewritten but will we get to see it and the fun question of saying will we get to see it it all that's when all the other things start to pour in and you can talk about leffen or you could talk about jmook you could talk about players that have seen a lot of success and then have seen a lot of dips this year like ibdw where in his own in his own region doesn't win uh like a regional size event i'm referring to Oh, jeez. Oh, no, no, no. The Function 2. Sorry. I was going to call it something else that was totally wrong, like the Nightclub 2. <laughs> that is so wrong. And by the way, you were at a nightclub sometime this year. Shout out, shout outs. Commentating yeah, with Walt. Club. Saw that. That was cool. That's fun. Samus and Fox. That blew my mind. That's where your tag <laughs> came from. I was like, I'm an idiot. So that, that was cool. That was cool. But you... um. 
you have you have IBDW, you have you have Kadorn who's trying to who's getting really close as like the second best Marth, but then it's it's hard so to close. get past hard to get past all the sheiks that are rising up, and you have players like Lod who are casually top tening in terms of rankings, and then are going to disappear for a while again like Lod has done in the past. And these are just so many names to keep track of. So I, I, I love that you mentioned the, the Mango part of all of this, where for, for Mango finishing outside of top eight for Genesis 8 was a shock to so many, so many people, and I'm sure that was really surprising to you as well. Just the fact that it was Hungrybox versus Mango just to get into loser side of top eight is a wild concept. Then it's it's the classic barn burner where it truly is. It's like watching a car crash in fast motion because... Mango is totally uninterested in playing, and you could tell it's the fastest three zero yeah. of all time in Hungry Boxes <laughs> in Hungry Boxes favor. But then again, Wait, was that was that really a fastest three zero? No, at least no, in there? sorry. It's yeah. just like to me, I I think that the tournament vod of it, the YouTube upload, has got to be like seven or eight minutes at the most. It <laughs> felt so quick. Like watching it live, I looked up and Mango was already down two stocks in the first match or something. I'm going well. Well, I'm kind of getting the impression of a 3-0, but you never know. It was a 3-0 yeah. in Hungry Box's it, favor. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was a, a dominant 3-0, and you mm. could definitely tell it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it, he was just not in it at all. Right, so. right. But then, again, the possibility that Mango just has to, again, go into Neo mode. I love this, 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 this thing that he does with Scar after Big House 4 is still one of my favorite bits. And you included it more than once. I feel I like that's, yep, that's a great, that's a great moment in that, in that particular little moment in Melee history where Mango just says the truth, which is I could still go on a run and win and I could beat everybody. And it doesn't matter how good everybody's gotten. It doesn't matter how much the game is modernized. It doesn't matter about Slippy. I could still just win a tournament. And that is so cool. And I can win a tournament over the game's most dominant player. We're talking about Zane trying to imitate uh, an Armada streak where Armada started to win and people said, all right, Armada finally won an event. He finally won several of it. Why is he winning everything now? <laughs> like everybody's looking at Zane and saying, Zane is trying to do that now. He's trying to go from, oh, Zane won a major. That's cool. He's won several majors. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen that turn. So that is the mango versus Zane thing is I feel like the like that's the that's the top storyline. That sort of trickles down to to everybody else. And I think it's really, really cool because obviously Zane is he's not as old school as Mango, but Zane's been playing for a long time and and thwarting players who are quote unquote up and coming. So it's it's really cool just to see everything clashing together. And when you have Leffen just coming out of nowhere and winning the at Battle BC4, which was the the most recent big tournament in my mind. I'm so sorry to CEO 2022. I'm I'm sorry. Just a little bit smaller. It's okay. You'll get him next time. <laughs> <laughs> and then the way that I would think of it is what makes it even more strange. And this is this is melee to a key in terms of how it relates with Nintendo. Is there are two circuits happening right now there's the north american panda cup circuit then there's the worldwide smash world tour circuit they both they both culminate at the finals in december back-to-back weekends this is going to be the weirdest thing of all time to me it's going to feel very weird in december and mango hates it of course because that's his birthday month and he's just supposed to have the whole month off and it's so fun it's so fun so i'm just interested for from your perspective is 
the fact that there are two circuits trying to happen right now and we're seeing them go at the same time no one's no one's trying to cancel the other because one is in the right legally speaking and the other is not that's not what i'm necessarily asking about but like what do you think about the fact that melee went from being in a dark age or a time where nintendo tried to ignore the community more or less to now it being like they're sort of here and doing stuff mainly through panda and we're right. also still trying to do our own thing. We're trying to hold on to the grassroots feel. That's what it feels like to me right now, that there is like this, we're trying to hold on to how, how we've always and want to be continually grassroots. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think, um, you know, we'll never get away from that entirely. There's always going to be Smash Fest. There's always going to be little like local tournaments. Um, so no matter how high the ceiling is, I think there's always a floor. For melee, um, as far as grassroots go, um, I think it's you know, the more the merrier. We had a, like a you know the the summer of Smash. I, I think um, in 2014, you know there was some some people saying it was like almost Armada versus Mango for t fatigue. Like there were too many tournaments happening. It was like like burning out on on uh, you know on what it was. And that's I think whenever that does happen, it's just like it's like nature. You know, it's like an ecosystem. If if it ends up happening where there's just too many tournaments um, this year with with both of the circuits going on, I think next year there'll just be less. It'll be there'll be different timed, um, differently timed. So um, you know, I I I am never worried for for melee as far as uh, as far as the grassroots go, and I, I'm I think it's just a, a a good thing you know to have um, both of them out there. Actually, I think it, I think it's a great thing to have multiple kind of circuits it's more melee for me to watch so i'm selfishly <laughs> just kind of happy about that i've gotten to watch some amazing online events <laughs> with slippy ha i've gotten to watch a lot of amazing online events in the past two years thanks to slippy shout outs to fizzy for 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 making that of course and now we're we're all very excited about getting back to it as safely as possible of course with the pandemic still being a thing even if it's i guess maybe like in the background in a storytelling sense, that's its own character as well. Um, but just like right now, we're able to have events for the most part safely. And then you can have all these, you can have all these things come back. You can have Gommel come back. You can have Shine come back. Genesis 8 having already happened. And hopefully there'll be a Genesis 9 sometime in the next year. You can have all these different events. And so for anybody who says that they think that there's a lot of events happening and that might not be such a great thing, I think the only th reason why it wouldn't be is because in terms of COVID breakouts, you don't want someone who is in one side of the country on one weekend going to the other side of the country the next weekend possibly having you know like uh, incubating the virus that would be my concern but in terms of content it's like uh, i don't care nearly much about football as i used to after the eagles won the super bowl i was like oh <laughs> i finally don't have to angst over this team as much as i used to because we <laughs> finally won the big one finally uh but for uh, that's that's that latched on to melee instead and so I love the fact that most weekends there's something big happening and I get to talk about it on the podcast. It's super oh, fun. Yeah, man. Super oh, yeah. happy to have all this melee. <laughs> 
And so to, uh, to get in the direction of closing up, I guess I'll ask, uh, is, are there any events that you are trying to attend as a spectator? You know, uh, my favorite example of someone attending just to, just to spectate, just to hang out, you know, no, no strings attached is Pew Pew U after having such an intense, especially doubles career, but also singles career, just seeing him tweet about, oh, it was so great to go to Genesis 8 as, as, as a spectator instead of having the pressure of, oh, I got to win the doubles event. I want to do right. well in singles and that kind of stuff. Shout outs to Pew Pew U. But for you, are you going to be trying to attend anything this year? Uh, maybe. It depends. Um, it depends on my schedule. Uh, I'm doing, I have a lot of plans, I guess, for my next steps. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really do want to go to a tournament and, and play. I, I feel like I want to get a little bit better, though, at Melee before <laughs> I go back to the tournament scene, because I feel like, I, you know, if I have a practice set up at home, um, which I feel like is within the realm of possibility to make that happen in my life, um, I will be, I'll be feeling comfortable kind of going in to, to do some money matches and stuff, like... I don't know. I want. I want that aspect. I don't want to just go as a as a spectator because I always go as just a spectator. I've always gone as just someone who's filming stuff. Yeah, but so that's my... still, you're still doing stuff. Like I went to Pound and I did interviews while I was there, and I played right. and I tried to be a spectator all in the same weekend, and it was a lot to handle. It was, it was, like at yeah. times, I'd feel guilty about not doing more content because you're supposed <laughs> to do content. Yeah, well, I mean, my my interest right now is not doing melee content necessarily. Um, I wouldn't necessarily leave my camera behind, but I that wouldn't be my main reason for for going. Yeah, um, sure, exactly to, to to play and to chill, hang yeah, out, to play and sell merch and sign shit and sit, like yell and scream and get degenerate. And it would be awesome, I think. Uh, but I do, I I want to I want to prepare a little bit, so I don't have any hard answers, especially because some of my future plans right now are kind of up in the air um and i also you know I've, i'm not at the um there, there's just a million things going on with me right now so <laughs> when i do know i'm going to tweet about it because that is something that i would like to do is like bring copies of metagame i have extra copies um the dvd uh so i do want to like hand them out to people and um you know i, I think it would be just awesome just to have like shirts and shit kind of be like a a vagabond selling my my gear so. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the uh wouldn't be the first time probably if i had to if i had to guess uh just to like you know do a little bit of a hustle thing at a tournament well open extension uh invited excuse open invite extent oh forget it you i'm going to the big house <laughs> in october it'd be cool to see oh, you I'm... at an event like that big big Dude, big, big house one of my faves of all time i mean you know from uh, big house four big house four baby that's what it's about <laughs> <laughs> by the way i forgot to ask this question earlier this is this can be quick i feel like you must have been so mad watching these movies come out between 2015 and and 2020 where they're all like jumping around in terms of the timeline and you're going i'm the one who's innovating that i'm the one who's jumping around a lot of my project and no one's gonna see this and they're gonna think i'm copying all these movies and that's not true <laughs> well i definitely i won't say that 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 wasn't worrying me too much because i i do I, you know there's a lot of movies that that do do that that's true that's um, that true predate a lot of that but i was sort of like well i was in the back of my mind i was like i want this to come out because you know it was essentially done editing was pretty much done in 2018 um it was the legal crap and then the fucking 2020 summer stuff that, that pushed it back another two years um 
So I just I, I just wanted it to be out there because it, like the it was getting to a point after like the four year mark. I was like, this is becoming ancient history now. Like you know, in, in terms of <laughs> melee, uh, which is not necessarily you know it's not necessarily bad because hell the original the smash doc it was like years before like in 2003 2004 that the, the it was still engaging as long as the story is interesting uh it doesn't have to be right you know from yesterday but um you know that that was in the back of my mind uh for sure well it was i was sitting there just kind of like fuck come on let's hurry up <laughs> <laughs> so uh and then who is your favorite player to watch right now Oh, you know, that changes all the time. I will say um, it is dependent a lot on what new shit people are showing. Um, and because he's just, he showed me new stuff at Genesis 8, I just, I, every time I watch JMook's Sheik, I'm just like, oh, fuck. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say JMook, actually. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how he kind of evolves his character. It made me look at Sheik in a whole new way. I knew Sheik could be sick. Um, but uh, not that sick. That's pretty dope. That's pretty fucking dope. Yep, the Sheik train is all the way back. We're back to the first tier list where we're like, right? is Sheik <laughs> the best character in the game? Like, <laughs> it's inevitable. It's inevitable. That's just possible. Awesome <laughs> Time's a flat melee. circle, dude. Time's <laughs> a flat circle. <laughs> so where can the people find you, Sandlox? That, how, that's how we'll uh, close up. Where can they find yeah. you? Where can they find the documentaries? Um, I mean, the documentary, uh, the OG one, the Smash Brothers, is on um youtube easy to find just put in the smash doc episode four has now been freed from internet jail um it used to be unavailable but now it's it's out and about um i, I don't know why but now it's now you can watch it again in the in the u.s um the our metagame you can find on vimeo uh and you can just find that through my website or go to vimeo um and if you want to keep up with what i'm doing my doings on uh, I'm on Twitter. I think it's on the overlay somewhere. Yes, it is. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where you'll hear all the the latest Samox news. At underscore Samox underscore, and there's also a Patreon where if you have some kind oh, of yeah, platinum, <laughs> some kind <laughs> of platinum you. Express credit card to be like, and behind the scenes of the Illuminati, something, 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 or you could just be a Smash homie. You know, smash homie. Mm-hmm. Anyone that throws money at me is a smash homie. That's that's for sure. <laughs> be featured on the credits of whatever project comes down the line, if it's going to be a year from now or several years from now. I love the idea that something else will be from Samox in the future, whenever that happens to be. So, no pressure. You had so much pressure with metagame. I'm sure in many ways that's just like, well, just let that feeling, we'll forget that feeling a little bit. It's like having kids. When you first have a child and they're keeping you awake all night, you go, how could I have another one of these? But then you start to forget after a while and you go, what's the, what's the harm? What's the harm? You so, forget the trauma. You forget yes. the trauma. And that's an important part of life. Forget the bad stuff so that you can go and do it again. <laughs> and enjoy and enjoy also the good that it does mostly exactly. for the most part come out of it so, exactly <laughs> thank you so much samus for joining me on bottom of smash mountain i really appreciate it cheers man it's been great uh talking with you and i'd, I'd love to come back and, and talk again sometime in the future appreciate it 